It's Monday, December 23rd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me in studio, the one and only Jason Moser. Thanks for being here. Hey, hey. So, we already recorded the year in review for Motley Fool Money. Oh, yeah, that's right. We did. But I was thinking about it. It's not that things were left on the cutting room floor, but there were things that we didn't get to. There were things left unsaid. There were things left unsaid. So, I wanted to uh, use this forum to say them. Why not? Um, so, uh, so, yeah. Motley Fool Money coming later this week. It's our year in review episode. Not necessarily the apropos of nothing. I mean, no. I'm not going to go Bill Barker on you and, and, and decry that you hate dogs. No. Yes, I did listen to that episode, Chris, and I don't believe that you hate dogs I at all. I don't hate dogs. In, in for the record, Bark, yeah. Bark, I know Bill attacking. was just playing. That was a funny show, though. Um, um, can we check in on the uh, the baskets? Because we didn't. We talked a little bit about baskets. Um, I don't want to give anything away, but but you've got the war on cash. Basket. You've got the health and wellness basket. How did those do in 2019? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad we can bring those up because these were baskets that were actually, um, I think, first revealed on on Market Foolery. So hey, let's let's follow up for the dozens out there, right? Um, the War on Cash basket, which the date of inception actually goes back to July of 2017. And so if if we look. And how the basket has performed up until this point. And, and as a reminder, the components of that basket are MasterCard, Visa, PayPal, and Square. You, you own all four of those in equal amounts. Uh, but the basket itself, since its inception, is up 112% uh, versus the market's 35.5%. So it's, it's been a nice uh, life for that war on cash basket. Now, 2019, it was a good year uh, to be in that basket as well. Um, if we look at the actual results for 2019, the basket itself is up 35.3% uh, versus the markets uh, just close to 30%. And so, um, again, you know, outperformance for 2019. All four components uh, were absolute positive returners. A couple of them, as of right now, are in fact trailing the market. And believe it or not, it's PayPal and Square. That are trailing the market, so not by much, but by just enough for us to say, hmm, you know, that's at least uh, noteworthy. But I think all in all, it's less about choosing that one little isolated window in time and more about understanding the long-term vision of investing like this. It's it's about owning these stocks for long periods of time and not picking one winner in a space where we feel like there is is good there. There's going to be multiple winners. Do you think that's an indication of anything in particular that those two are the ones that have trailed the market in 2019? Um, and it could be a valuation thing, um, or it could just be the continued dominance of Visa and Mastercard. I, I think it's a little bit of both, probably. I mean, Visa and Mastercard certainly are very dominant businesses. I think with Square, still very uh, young and essentially uh, working its way to profitability still. So, uh, evaluation is always a little bit squishy with something like Square. Um, and with PayPal, uh, it just it, it really has performed very well over long periods of time. As it gets bigger, you know, they make more investments. They've they've spun some assets off. Uh, and so, you know, perhaps that that led to a little bit of underperformance. Now, when I say underperformance, I mean let's let's still remember the stock for PayPal. I mean, it's it's up 28 28% for the year, um, and Square is up about 15% based on on you know this taping. And so, it's not like the stocks have performed poorly. Um, it's just they've 
not quite held up to what the market has brought to the table. And it's been obviously a great year for the market. So, what about the health and wellness basket? Yeah, I mean, we want to stay healthy, right? And um, and it really is. Uh, we don't want to. Well, stay healthy, but yeah, we feel like it's probably a good idea. It's probably the the right thing to do. And so, putting the healthcare and wellcare basket together was. The same idea behind that as was the the war on cash, and, and for the healthcare basket, it's United Health Group, it's IDEX Laboratories, which is is in animal health, uh, it's Teladoc and Massimo, and so if we go back to date of inception, there, uh, if we look at that was February of 2018, the healthcare basket is up 80 percent versus the market's 20 27 percent. Let's say. Remind me what Massimo does. Massimo is in the. I mean. Their core business is in pulse oximetry, measuring the oxygen levels in the blood. So when you go into to the hospital and they're attaching all those little devices that, that keep measurements on on your your body, one of those things they need to always measure is is the oxygen levels in your blood, and then that's what Massimo does. And so it's a nice sort of razor and blade model where they get this uh, they get the big equipment installed in the hospitals, and then they sell those consumables that that have to be uh, replenished for each and every patient that comes through. I mean, they've developed a lot of of offerings beyond. On that, um, so the founder there, Joe Kiani, still the CEO, just a very innovative, forward-thinking guy, and he's just not not taking his foot off the gas with this company. And so, you know, when we look at the the overall performance, it's obviously done very well. Uh, if we look at just 2019. The healthcare basket has actually outperformed the war on cash basket, believe it or not, Chris. So, healthcare basket is up 42% versus the market's uh, 29 to 30% right now. Um, and again, we're looking at absolute winners on all four counts there. Uh, there is one company trailing the market that's United Health Group. That's actually not that surprising given the size of that business. Um, but really, that's always been kind of its competitive advantage, really, is its size and its ability to deal with all of these. Changes in healthcare legislation and the red tape that comes with it all, and so uh, yeah, between the two baskets, uh, great performance since its inception. Great performance for 2019. Um, excited to see what 2020 uh, holds in store for them. Nice. Um, one thing I'll just add because this didn't really get talked about at all uh, when we did the year in review episode is Apple and. Uh, it was brought to my attention by Aaron Bush, uh, who had tweeted something out about uh, the performance of Apple's stock in 2019. It's up nearly 80 percent. Yeah, and that's astonishing when you consider how big that company is. And the other thing is, I'm impressed by Tim Cook for a number of reasons. One of which is he's now at the point in terms of how he has led that company that. This kind of perform like it's he's done well for so long that it's like it's almost like it's taken for granted. Like oh yeah, he's one of the best CEOs out there. Yeah, um, and and, uh, and for all of the talk that we do about Warren Buffett's fiscal discipline in terms of well, Berkshire Hathaway has all this cash on the balance sheet, they're not going to deploy it. Buffett is so disciplined about it. I think Tim Cook's discipline when it comes to capital allocation doesn't really get talked about as much as maybe it should because Apple makes, you know, little very quiet acquisitions here and there, very little, very small and very quietly. Um, they don't make the big splashy acquisitions even though it gets Thrown out there all the time because of how much cash they have. It's like, well, they could do that. You know, yeah. I just, I just saw <laughs> the, could. I just saw um, uh, 
the, the cover of the magazine, The Hollywood Reporter, and it's their 2020 preview issue, and they've got bold predictions. Not reckless predictions like we do on Motley Fool Money, just bold predictions. And one of them is Apple's going to buy Netflix. Hmm. And I just thought, oh, yeah, I think I've heard that prediction. (laughs) We've been hearing that prediction for a long time. For a long time. time. It's like, yeah, they could. They've got the cash. But anyway, I I think what what Apple has done this year is is particularly impressive. Well, I don't disagree. I mean, I think it's what really is impressive is the stock's performance in the face of ultimately a company that isn't growing its profitability. I mean, like if you look at their net income, I mean, net income isn't growing. It's actually it's actually shrinking a tad. Um, And and so, to your point about his ability to manage this business um, in in in. Take, pull the correct financial levers for investors as as well as the company. I mean, that's where the share repurchases come into play. That's where taking out more debt to raise cash on the balance sheet to do other things with comes into play. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he, he understands the power of the company, the power of the investments they've made, the technology they have in the marketplace today, um, the the potential of, of what they have in their pipeline. Um, and then being able to say, you know what, we're not worried about trying to manage this business on a quarter to quarter basis for anyone. We're just going to do what we're going to do. And I mean, you know, you've got a business that just has a tremendous competitive position from a number of angles. And the market's going to give a business like that a lot of credit. Uh, and we certainly saw that play out this year. And I, I honestly, I expect nothing but just the same from him next year and beyond. I mean, I really am impressed with what. Tim Cook has done with this business because when Steve Jobs passed away and Tim Cook uh, took over, I mean that was that was the ultimate question mark, right? It was like, oh wow, now what? This is a bit of a different story, and he really has risen to the challenge. I appreciate his stance on privacy. I know some probably don't like this, but I really do like his open-mindedness when it comes to the White House, whether you agree or disagree with what's going on in Washington, D.C. I think Tim Cook's open-mindedness has benefited this business from a number of different angles. And so, for me, just the equanimity that that he possesses is just, I feel like the business is really benefiting from that. I want to get your thoughts before we wrap up uh, and we look ahead to 2020. Um, something we didn't talk about uh, on the show. Twitter. I look Peter. at Twitter uh, as a business set up for success in 2020 because of the fact that we're going to have a presidential election, we're going to have uh, the Summer Olympics, we're going to have these big events that should increase activity and engagement on Twitter, and that should benefit them. I say all that, then I went back and checked the numbers. Like, well, how did Twitter do in 2016 versus, you know, subsequent years? Yeah. 2016, the stock was down around 20%. Yeah. Um, 2017, up around 35%. You know, last year, up around um, 15%. Like, what expectations, if any, do you have for Twitter as a business going into? 2020. I think this has always been a tricky one. I mean, for a long time, I thought uh, there was a lot more potential than what they've really been able to unlock. Now, with that said, I do think that Jack Dorsey's done a good job um, since he since he came back. He's he's fulfilled his promises. He's gotten the business going back in the right direction. He's gotten the financial house in order. Uh, <laughs> I think we're just in a different place now when it comes to social. I think. It feels to me like the low-hanging fruit with social has been picked, and they have some serious 
questions to deliberate in regard to privacy and how information spreads on their platforms. I think Twitter is here to stay. I think it's a wonderful tool. It's extremely valuable. It, it it's not perfect, but I mean, I think for what it does as an information network, it, it's it's tremendous. I, I think they have a lot of work still to do on the the misinformation, the noise on the platform that doesn't really uh, make anyone's experience better. I mean, there's always ways to make it better. I, I don't think looking at particular timelines where we're going to have elections or, or the Olympics or whatever. I don't think I don't think I think we're beyond the point now where we look at those as like short-term catalysts. I mean, we all know there's those are coming and it's just going to be a matter of how the company monetizes. And I think what they've not been able to do is really figure out how to monetize beyond advertising. And I don't see anything in the near term that leads me to believe that they're going to be able to meaningfully monetize beyond the advertising model that it is today. I think the one thing they have going in their favor is recently they pulled back on their targets for 2020. And remember that's when the stock took a nice little hit here earlier in the year. It, I, maybe they're sandbagging a, a little bit. I think it'll probably be a little bit better than they were leading leading us to believe. Um, you know, there's still this big question of whether Jack is going to even be in town here next year for like six months. He's talking about going to Africa or something. I don't know that that really bothers me one way or the other. But I, Twitter's one that's really I, I'm kind of in this funny stage right now with Twitter. I've actually considered parting ways with my shares, taking the gains, and investing in something else. Because, it, to me, it feels like we've entered this new stage for social, where the burden is is just going to be that much higher for Twitter and Facebook and the like, uh, to really not only prove their case for investors, but to prove their case for the world, that they really are as valuable as, as they say they are. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Monthly Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.